Get ready for brilliant people, brilliant ideas, and a regular good time. This is Brilliant Thoughts with Success People editor Tristan Almada, the show that thinks about how personalities, relationships, and communication shape business success. And now here he is, Tristan Almada. Ex-NFL player, best-selling author, international speaker, I'm talking about Anthony Trucks. That's who I've got today. This one was very, very inspirational, very motivational. So if you need that today, this is the podcast for you. Sit back, relax, enjoy, take notes. I took two pages of notes on this one. Let's talk to Anthony Trucks. Welcome back to another episode of Brilliant Thoughts, a success podcast. I'm your host, Tristan, and today I have Anthony Trucks with me. If you haven't heard of this guy, get ready. Hold on to your horses, like my grandma used to say. Anthony, welcome to the show. Hey, man. Thank you for having me. Horses. Bro. Does anybody ever yeah, hold I mean, on to horses? What? Can you imagine that? It would drag you around. You can't hold on to a horse. I mean, I, I kind of made that up. You know, my grandma. I've heard of it. I have heard of horses. Hold your horses. But I, I just realized when you hear it said that, I'm like, do you, did anybody do that? Because you'd get dragged all throughout the corral. Dude, tell me about it. It's like eight, late 1800s, you know, when people were still holding on to those horses. I guess so. Uh, yeah. Anthony, you are, you're everywhere, man. I, I was doing some, some Google research, if that, yeah. if that qualifies as research. But yeah. I was doing it and I found you're a best-selling author. You're an international speaker, mm. coach. And you have a really, really awesome background. But first, dude, I love your background, man. So just for people that are that are tuning in that, that can't see this, yeah. this goes out for mostly in podcasts. You've got an awesome, I don't even know what it is on your left. It's oh, like a wall of like diamonds. A, oh, like the actual oh, right. background. I think background yeah. life. I'm like, oh, he means my physical. Yeah, I have a studio, man. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's, it's like these panels. They're not soundproof. They just are cool. And I got this up light. So like with the angle of the lights and everything, I was like, that's going to look cool. So I made that and, and the rest of it. I love that. I hung shelves and got some neons made with my logo. I just, you know, I have a buddy named Evan Carmichael and he's real big on YouTube. And he's like, hey, if you're going to have a, a place where you do videos, like make it a studio, make it look like you intentionally made it to create stuff. So I was like, OK, that's what I did. Dude. I love that. I love the background. And I see your book. So let's start with that, man. Yeah, let's talk about it. So. You you coach and you talk about shifting mm-hmm. from I'm assuming one point of your life to another and the growth and, and that whole process that that can be a, I think really hard for some people because they get stuck yeah. right mm-hmm. and how is it that that you brought what you were teaching into a book did you did you say hey this is a process that I want you to follow let me take you through this process that includes part of my life because. Mm-hmm. Your life has, dude, it's pretty awesome, amazing ups and downs, mm-hmm. and the ability for you to be able to go from one point to another and continue that that push forward is very inspiring. Thank you. So tell me about tell me about the book. What is it that we should expect when we read? Yeah, the there's, book? there's two parts to the book. The first part is concept, right? I think that there is a, we've heard of identity, but no one really fully has been taught or understood it to a level to grasp its strength and its uh, ability to be of value to our world. And then the second half is now that you get it, this is how you do it. So we created uh, years ago something called the shift method. I say we because it's always a team effort to my, if it's my family or my team, right? Uh, it was mostly my brainchild, like 90% of it. Then everybody else helped me refine it. But it's a process. 
because I realized that if I have a, a cool story and something that I've done, the only use it is of somebody else is if they can say, okay, how do I do that? So I created a process that you can actually extract from my brain, which is in the book, and it's called the shift method, and it walks you through how to make your own shift. And, and the purpose of doing this is so that your identity can match your dream, because if your identity doesn't match your dream, you don't achieve the dream. I like that, man. Oh, well, so tell me what inspired that? What inspired this process, this method that you created? My life falling apart. That's, that's usually inspiration. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how it starts. I had to take time to reflect because, Anthony, what I've noticed is like we're, we're in a world that people are, are just so reactive with what, what's happening. Mm-hmm. A lot of people just live that life and then die. They don't ever take the time to take a step back and say, what what's happening here? Yeah. How can I make my life better? How did you decide to take time to change? I it's seriously it's it was actually I think at a certain point in survival we all have it's either proactive or reactive shifts right so reactive is you're right the world right now is in a very big reactive shift what something changed that I didn't expect to change and then I have to figure out how to navigate it. like the whole like who moved my cheese kind of thing right but mm-hmm. the other side of it is I can proactively change and and the change is a heavy thing I look at shifting because shifting is less energy, but it's actually at the, at the far end destination, I get a completely different end result. Like traveling in a plane, right? One degree off of the trajectory will take you miles and miles away from the other destination. So yeah. for me, when I go in here and, and I look at it, the, the, I guess the reason was because like I had to figure out for myself how to improve my life. Because all the things I'd known, because I read the books and I took the courses and I went to the things and all the thingy things. But then I realized with all this information I knew, my life wasn't changing. And a lot of people would live in the same space. I call it the, uh, the epidemic of shelf esteem. I got all this stuff, these books, I put on the shelf my my email. I don't open the course. I put it on the shelf of the book, don't read the book. If I do read the book or read the course, it stays in a shelf of my mind and never gets it in my life. And so we wonder why only 1% to 3% of people actually succeed because they're the ones doing the thing. And so it was more so not what I knew, but who I was with what I knew. And when I started working on that area, I found that this is how I could find the best way to achieve everything I wanted to achieve. And it's not all just personal financial stuff. It's like I wanted to be a better dad, a better husband. I did want to have better finances. I want to have better joy. All those things were uh, were a byproduct of me figuring out who is the kind of person that has those things. Once I know who that is, how do I become that person? Dude, I, I like that. So take me through the identity process because... Going from identity to then how do you do it? Mm-hmm. Do you find that people have to identify with with this identity portion of themselves before they get to the other part? Because some people just kind of fall into success and they're like, wow, how the hell did I get here? Oh, I know the right? thing. I say, I've done that. <laughs> My wife and I all the time, we go, how'd you get there? Like, I don't know. But if you do unpack it, you actually can find it. So there is a... You, say, you first have to codify identify identity and figure out like, hey, what is an identity? What comprises it? And then once you see that, there's a couple things to do. So first thing is you have what's called an ideal or zone identity. A zone is like that place where like you're in the zone, we'll call it. That's a version of your identity. When you're operating a certain tick, you're in the zone. So everything is easy. You're not distracted. You're confident. Everything else melts away, right? So that's what we got to get to. That's comprised of six areas. Beliefs, thoughts, actions, mindset, habit, and ego. And they're all like a Venn diagram. Beliefs, thoughts, and actions is the core pieces. The overlap between beliefs and thoughts is mindset. Between thoughts and actions is habits. Between beliefs and actions is personal pride or ego. 
And if you have all of these in place and you think about what are, say, the beliefs of the person, the identity that has what I want. Think about this. Uh, like The Rock, I use him as an example because he's one of the few people that I see as, as famous people that I respect because from what I see. And I go, well, what does he have to believe to get out of bed in the morning to think he can go do a TV show, launch a tequila brand, make these energy drinks, you know, all the things he does. What does he have to believe about the world and what's possible? Because majority of human beings go, oh, you can't do that. And they would believe that and live, right? So that you have to yep. think, cast that vision out of that person who's living an identity in that area you want. What do they actually have to believe? Then what are the thoughts they tell themselves? What are the actions they take? Right, these are all part of it. So you have to first get that. Now the next question is, well, how do I shift into that, right? So I gotta go, right, well, if that's my destination, like GPS, what's the starting point? Here's the one thing most people have. They have an idea of the dream, but they do not have a vision. So it's kind of like saying, I know what city, but I don't know the address. So we never actually put in the true destination for the place we're going. And so this is where I like, when you create that zone identity, that's now your vision, that's your address, we'll call it. But you cannot start that GPS without a current location. So I got to go back to the beginning. I tell people, you have to figure out this, this, where you're starting. Most people, this is a great statement. I don't even know where I heard it from. It goes, it is hard to see the label when you are inside the jar. <laughs> yeah, that's right? a good one, dude. So, yeah, so that's a, lot, a really good one. It's true, though. That's, I, I've been the same way. When I was, I was 2016, man, my life had fallen apart, and I was a bad dad, and I was a, a guy that was you know, multiple partners and drinking, and it just it wasn't the guy. And that I didn't see myself. I didn't understand the label. And so once you get someone to show you the label, you can go, okay, great. Now I see my current location. And the current location might be in the dumps, man. <laughs> it might not be the nice house, you think. And once you figure that out, now you can craft the actual path to get to where you want. That's a fast turnaround, dude. 2016 to to where you're at now. Yeah, dude. What? That's that's pretty quick. What is it that that finally did it for you for the turnaround? Because a lot of people listening in, we've got entrepreneurs, yes. right? Both solo or or, or larger mm-hmm. here. They struggle with something that you said a little earlier, which is like, well, I'm a, I'm a great dad, right? I'm a better partner. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we shift to get there? Because sometimes as entrepreneurs, business owners, mm-hmm. that's our only focus. It right? is, sadly. Yeah. So how, how did you shift to finally say, hey, you know what? That's important, yeah. but this is more important over here. It was, uh, well, first thing, I, I was that guy who was like, I got to work all day. I wanted to want to be with my kids, if that makes sense. Like I, yep. I love yep. my children. But when I was with them, I, I felt like this pull to go back to the office and create that thing and write that thing. And I was like, man, why can't I just be here? You know, why can't I want to be here? And I'm being honest. And it's, it's one of the, it was the hardest thing. And within that, here was what I did. Because there's something tucked in that moment that I didn't even talk about. But what it is, is I never gave myself permission to improve. I, I, I covered it up. I, 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 my ego reared its head and said, no, you're good. You're fine. You're doing your thing. Like, you know, you're giving you're showing them an example of what it means to chase your dream. Like, which is all good, you know, but at the end of the day, who are my kids going to describe me as when I leave this planet? Mm-hmm. When somebody says, who was your dad? They're going to say, oh, he's a guy that worked a lot. Or he's going to say, man, he was a great dad. And for me, I started realizing that, that that was something I was not even thinking about the destination, that ideal zone identity. So when I came back, I said, all right, if that's where I want to go, let me be really, really clear on what I'm doing now and let the ego pull away so I can see where I must give myself permission to actually work on this thing. 
Because the permission's a hard thing. Because it usually means you have to go back and say, hey, I've sucked at this. I now need to get better at it. And a lot of us, especially entrepreneurs, we're supposed to be the head honchos, big dogs, nice shoes and clothes and cars and house. We don't want to let anybody see us sweat because lo and behold, that might ruin my business. So I was like, ah, well, if my business is great, my, my life sucks. I don't want that anyways, you know? So yeah. a lot of it started with me. It started, seriously, it was 2016, New Year's Day. I woke up, I was hungover. I'd like hookah smoke still tasted on my tongue, leaping next to some random Russian woman who'd flown out from Russia. And you'd think like, oh, he's living it up. And bro, I had the ultimate pile of shame on my heart. I was like, this is a horrible dude looking back in this mirror. My daughter should never be the man like me. My boy should never be like me. My mom would never be okay with this. And my God wouldn't let me into heaven. And like, this was not the person. And that was the big moment. That was like, I, I think sometimes people are waiting for that catalyst moment. Like all of a sudden, you know, the sun came out and, and the clouds parted and down rained, you know, purple diamonds. It's like some crazy big moment. It's like, no, man, I just woke up. I was like, I don't like this guy at all. That was it. And sometimes it's all it needs to be. And in that moment, I was like, what I got, what I got to do. And here was the big thing. Uh, I realized that I was the common denominator in all of my problems. Whether I was causing it because I was doing these things or I was allowing it because I just want to be around cool people or whatever doing. And that was it. And so when you got these entrepreneurs, they're like, well, what do I do? And how do I do it? Well, first thing is like the whole realize that if, if it's what your life is looking like, cast that vision. Where's it going? If it's not going to a place you want to go, take a look at the ego. Let that thing pull away and say, where do I got to improve? And then realize if there's a problem there, you're the one in control of taking care of it. Anything, anything come to mind when, when I ask what prompted this? Because I find that people get to the realization. It, it doesn't usually all happen on its own. It's a buildup from other things. Oh, hell yeah. Anything come to mind? Yeah, multiple things, man. So... You know, I'd been in the NFL and I got done with the NFL and had a big crisis of my identity. Came home, mm -hmm. had two more kids at my high school sweethearts. We had three kids. Started at 20 years old, was the first kid. So now I got three kids. I got this gym business and my marriage falls apart and divorced. I'm not a good dad. Mm -hmm. The business is just up and down every two weeks. I could barely pay rent and then rent and payroll, you know, just was nonstop. On top of that, uh, I, you know, I was living in a 500 square foot studio apartment with my kids on a twin mattress next to me on an air mattress. It's just like the down and outs. My mom passed away. My mom, she was my adoptive mom who like, you know, I was in foster care at three years old. So like she was a reason why I wasn't a statistic. And so when she passed away, I realized like I am not living this life in the way that is in honor of what she created and did for me. Like she loved me past all crazy, supported me. She did a whole lot to make me not go down this dark path. And so I'm mm -hmm. not even living this life. And yeah, I'd played in the NFL and done stuff, but that's not all. There's a lot more life to live, you know? And so mm -hmm. I think I'd had this heavy heart of the fact that I wasn't living in congruence with the, the man that I, I committed myself to being at a young age. And it was that build up and build up and build up. And when you, I think when you have all this, these thoughts in your head that are already stewing, but you keep pushing them away and we distract ourselves with drugs and alcohol and women and parties and business, you distract yourself. And I woke mm -hmm. up that morning and it all just came flowing in. I think that's what it was. It was like this heavy realization of like, look at you. Is this, is this the person who's going to end up in that place that you promised your mom you'd be? And that guy was not. Doing what he was doing absolutely was not. Man, that's pretty powerful. Uh, I love where you're going with this. How did you get clarity, though, to be able to identify, hey, these are the things that I either need to do next or stop doing? How did you focus more on that? People, man. 
I find that we have uh, we have two things that we need. We actually have this skill set we teach called visioneering. It's uh, it's engineering an actual vision. We talked about like the dream, and then engineering the path to get there. And okay. the, the skill set of visioneering it's comprised of two areas: it's process and people. So. First, if you have a process but no people, you'll have a process you can walk through, but it's pretty much you manning it, and it's not very helpful. It's like trying to you know, do some with just one set of eyes. Other side, if you have people with no process, you can have all the hubbub and hurrahs, but no way of actually knowing you're going to make a result take place. So the good thing I had was people to begin with. So I had people that were around me that would tell me things that I didn't want to hear but needed to hear. You know, my, my best friend Jay, whenever I would you know, want to go like, let's go here, like he's like, Ant, that's not you, bro. Don't do that. Like he did calm me down. You know, I'm like, I'm gonna go do it. Cause what? No, it's not who you are. Right. <laughs> and then if I wanted, like you just say with the very transparent conversations, I had really hard convos with people that I love in my life and asked them like, what are the things you see that I'm not, I'm not doing that I need to be doing. And they were transparent, man. It, it, it pokes your heart too. And you feel like you're getting attacked, but it's not an attack. It's just truth. <laughs> they call it tough love, but I think it's real love. Real love is telling you what you need to hear. Then once I had that, it was like, all right, well, I, I kind of wandered through, well, how do you fix that? And my thought was, and I seriously ask this question this day, what will make the next moments of my life better? And it's really clear that it's not a question of what do I want to do next? It's what will make the next moment. Because what I want to do is very far away from what I need to do typically. I had to go have conversations, make apologies, make amends, do certain work, cut people off. Like it was hard. That's what needed to make the next moments. But I, I kind of wandered through it. I just did whatever I knew was right, but felt really hard because that's what let me know. Here's what it typically was. Tristan, it was out of character. I had to, I had to work out of character. And for years I thought out of character was bad. And I think we're kind of trained that the connotation around it is a negative thing. If you're out of character, that's bad. And I go, well, what does it mean if I want to be in a better place, right? Because if I'm in a character now, out of character also means a better character. If you're the guy who's always mean, it's out of character to be nice, but being nice is good. So I sought out things that felt out of character on purpose. If it didn't make my stomach twist, I didn't want to do it. It wasn't the thing. And so like the process kind of unveiled itself by simply walking through trial and error of what's going on and how do I feel? And as I did more of that, life started getting better. In fact, 10 months after that, like October 2016, after three years divorced, I got back together with my ex-wife and we now have been back together, I think five years remarried. We have an amazing marriage, like love her to death. My family's anchored in. I'm in shape again. I got kids that know dad, takes them to school in the morning. Like I got a family, I got everything that I had lost and then some. And it was all because I started 2016, the beginning going, all right, people tell me what's wrong with me and then going, okay, great, let me figure this out. And so a lot of the shift method is born of those moments of the things I did, but then like, what would I have done better or faster or simpler? And then where does psychology tie into this to where it actually has a base and where can neuroscience be explained as to why if you do this long enough, it'll actually rewire the brain in certain ways. So that shift method isn't just like, I tried this thing and figured it out. I was like, no, I did this in my real life. I'm still doing it every day. If I want to go to do the level, whatever it is, the identity has to match the dream. What do I got to do, right? So little by little, it became this process that anybody can apply because it's a human process, not an Anthony process. The identity has to match the dream. Yeah. I like that. And, I, and I've heard that said in, in different ways, but I, I like the way you just said it. What is it that you do when you feel like it's not the best day and you feel like 
maybe you're a little down, right? Because mm-hmm. yeah, I have those. You know, we we all have those, man. But I find that I think the faster we address those moments mm-hmm. and days, the faster we can go back on track to to go back to very true to the people we need to be. Right? How yeah. how is it that you deal with that? Yeah, my actual I'll tell you my real ways that I do it. This is a this is not some like regurgitated thing. This is what Anthony does. I realize that a lot of the things that are causing me anguish are self-imposed deadlines. I'm mad at myself and I get funky at myself because I didn't get that thing done or whatever it is. Now there are things that come outside, things that poke holes in my day. Regardless of what they are, if it's self-imposed, I go, dude, relax. It's just you waiting for that. (laughs) Only you. But if somebody else comes into my life in some capacity, creates some weird moment, right? The next thing I do is go, and this is dead serious, I put myself on a cloud. Sounds super odd, but listen, listen, I've always like wandered around like, and I've looked like when I was like a kid at ants and I go, these ants, they've probably got problems, but they're ants and they don't seem like it doesn't, does it matter? It doesn't matter in a bigger scheme. You know, there's ants. I used to, you don't notice it. So when I put myself on a cloud and look down at my problem. So if I look at the broader scale of all of us humans and ants, this bad email that I received, it's not a big deal. You know, like it's not the end of the world, dude. And so then what I do is I go, okay, let me breathe this out real quick and let me figure out what's the best logical way to, to navigate this without having emotion in it because emotion will be get more negative emotion. Like what's the best yeah. logical? And I just think through it and I go, all right, that's what I got to do. And I detach myself from the outcome and I attach myself to the effort. The effort. Yeah. I, think, I think that's the key. It is, dude. Because if I, if I do the effort and it, it panned out, Great. If I did the effort and didn't pan out, great, because at least I took the effort. And I think a lot of us are so attached to what the outcome is going to be that we never take the action to actually achieve the outcome. And so we stay in that, like we regurgitate the same cycle of suck because you never move out of the hole. So that's a big thing for me. And then I also, when I have bad days, I borrow joy from people. There are... Oh, tell me about that, man. I like that. There are a bunch of good people in the world that I have in my circle. And whenever we have bad days, the biggest thing we think in our head is, I don't want to burden someone with my negativity. So I'm not going to call my friends. But I have never had a person who's called me and asked for help or been in a funky place and gone, oh, this sucks. I'm like, hell yeah. They they think of me in that capacity to call me. Let's, hey, how can I help you? And I, I want to give them a piece of my joy. Now, I said borrow instead of take, because I think if you have someone who gives you some joy, your job's to give it away at some point. So I legit, like I go in and say, how can I borrow joy? And if you just go around people who are in, in good moods, they're going to get you to a good mood. I've never been around like in a funky mood and I got my buddy super happy. He's always like, let's go, man, let's go do this. Like you're in a bad mood. Let's go, let's go hang out. Let's go watch a movie. Let's go get a meal. Like they want to go do stuff. So find people to be around that are joyful and borrow joy. You are not a burden. You're a blessing. That was beautifully said. I love that. And I want to go back to, to one thing you mentioned here that I wrote down, which was you said you want to focus on the effort and, and that's the key. And I think that I, I want to retouch on that because the people listening in, the key to that is when you make a mistake, you can go back to fixing the effort, right? Mm-hmm. Now you can go and say, Hey, well, first it's, it's on me. Second, Let's approach this a different way, which then goes back to your original thing, which is process and people. Mm-hmm. But this is part of the process. Let's fix the process. Yeah. Something's going on. Mm-hmm. So I love how you broke that down, man. Thank you. That that was awesome. All right. So how do you maintain priorities in your life? Because first, I think 
some people have all their priorities screwed up, yeah. but you don't. How do you maintain those great priorities in focus? Yeah, it's always a matter of uh, the, a buddy of mine years ago. He says, if there's something off in your life, show me your planner and I'll show you why. So I, I've always got, I actually made my own planner. It's called a GPS planner. I made this thing because I'm like, I want to have a planner that works for my life the way I want. Oh, to. damn, dude. Yeah, I like that. I got it. It's GPS. So I talk about GPS. It's actually a planner. It's, a, it's called Goal Plan Start. It's a GPS planner. What's the goal? What's the plan? Let me start. So yeah, what I do is I realize that like I, I have this ability for me to take on a whole lot and also not. So I am really good at realizing certain things don't belong in my ether now. I think we all have this thought of like, I got to get it all done. It's got, it sits in my head and it bogs me down. And I'm always aware of how much I haven't got done. So I go, you know what? This doesn't have to be done right now. It could be done in three months, six months, or next year. Let's do it then. And I leave those things out in the future. Whatever's on my plate now, I go, okay, great. Of the things I have now, I seriously just, how many hours would it take for me to get it done? And I go, okay, maybe it's 12 hours, 10 hours, five hours, whatever it is. And I think most of us have these open loops of, I'm going to start a podcast next Friday. It don't work like that, Bob. You have to actually do things, you know? <laughs> so I go and I take a look, like, what are the stages? What are the steps? It may have to, you know, go find somebody that's in a, you know, give me some intro stuff. I got to get the podcast art. I got to think of a name. I got to, you know, all the stuff you got to do. And it builds in. You may say, okay, it's going to take me 15 hours to get the podcast launched, record some episodes. That, that's what it takes. We'll just put that out there as a weird one. Then I go, okay, great. Now I got these three, four projects. I got the hours broken down. Let me go and take a look at my life. And in my planner, I put life in first. When am I getting up and take the kids to school? When am I getting my workout? When's food taking place? When am I doing date days with my wife, dad days with my kids? I put it in there. But I'm always going to have in between a bunch of little highlighted spaces. I, I the, the little open space and I put a highlighter on it. And now I go back to my projects and I go take some over to my life schedule. And I say, let me infuse this into the highlighted sections. So I may have hour one and two of 10 um, hour three and four of 11, you know, I just, all the different projects, I work it all the way out up to four weeks or more sometimes. And now what I do is I live my life because here's the beautiful thing that nobody notices. The biggest problem we have with getting things done and keeping priorities is because whenever I start working on project one, if I don't have it organized in this manner, I'm working on project one, thinking about project two, three, four, and five. So I'm slow to get it done. And then when I get halfway through, I'm unfocused, I'm unproductive, it's just, it's horrible. But when I show up, and if I do get something done, when I get done, it's time to be with my kids or it's time to be with my wife, I'm still thinking about what I haven't got done, so I can't, I can't be there. I, I, I said before, I wanted to want to be with my kids. Well, I wanted to get the projects done, and they were lingering. In this manner, when I put the work down at 2.30, I can go, you know what? I got what I needed to get done today, Everything else is where it's supposed to be in the future. As long as I just do what I'm supposed to do in the planner, I'm good. So you know what? I'm going to watch this TV show in peace. I'm going to go mm. take this walk in peace. And I'm still ahead of schedule because I run my life that way. So that's how I keep priorities priorities because they're in my life. Does that also help with at the end of the day, knowing that you're done? And yeah. that, like you said, 100%. you can kind of end it peace yeah that's it i sleep well but i fall asleep in like 30 seconds my wife tells me <laughs> i don't know that's I'm a heavy so funny heart. yeah it's just simple you know who said that you know who said the same thing we interviewed mike sosha um mm. dodgers catcher yeah long long time um and he said the same thing i go dude what about what about anxiety he's like you know i leave everything out and i know that i did my best and i'm like dude that's exactly what you just said man yeah so it's way easier I, that way. I love that yeah because someone once told me said if i locked you in a room 
for 30 days. And I said, you don't have to sleep or eat. You can just work. He says, you would leave that 30 days with more work to do. Because we as human beings will do stuff and create more stuff to do and do stuff and create more stuff to do. So he's like, at the end of the day, just find out what needs to get done now and stay the course. So fall. that's why I say fall in love with the day, dude. So I just fall in love with the day. I do what's on the docket and I live my life. I love that. I love you live by your schedule, man, but you plan ahead so that you know oh, yeah. what, what's important. And I cut off the, the two thirty. If you look at my calendar, like two thirty across the board is done. It's done. <laughs> so like I'm off my I get up at the five in the morning, do my thing, take my kids to school and they get home. And then I'm, I'm a dad. I coach my son's football team. We got a game tomorrow. We're playing San Jose, right? I do. I do life. I'm a regular dude, but I just do a regular stuff when I'm working. Dude. Well, oh, hold on. You look to your right when you have the schedule. Do you have your schedule on a, on oh, a big screen, I got a third screen for just the schedule. I got oh, dude, laptop, I love that screen. I got four screens: laptop screen and three extras, and the schedule's top right, so it's there. Nice. And I need to glance at it pretty quick, but like it's not in my workspace. So you know what's up? Do you hold typically a digital calendar both. or a written calendar? Both, both. Right. I reconcile them. My process is: if I have something that comes in the digital calendar from the team, I do not mark the email as unread until it's on my paper calendar. And whenever I do my paper calendar, if I write it in pencil, I immediately put it into the digital calendar. So they're always reconciled. Nice, man. I just find That's that interesting. Yeah, whenever I want to like think, like oh, look a week, like a week, I don't want to look at my calendar as a week. It's just weird. I want to write things down. And so my paper calendar allows me to be in a creative space while doing like, I want to do this here. I want to write this and I can write it quickly and move quick as opposed to, to click a button and drag a thing and type a thing. It's just too much. My brain slows down. I want to be in flow. And then I take a look and go, okay, great. Where does this have to match the digital calendar? Now I go and click the buttons, put it in. Mm, dude, interesting. Oh, I do the same thing on the the written one. I feel like I have more control over, yeah. over what I'm writing. I'm like, you know what? It's going to be more purposeful and okay. I remember it. Exactly. So, all right. Question in regards to your coaching. What do you find is the biggest challenge you come across when you're helping people grow? What is it that just keeps on resurfacing? Ego, man. 100% every time. I call them, oh, I, damn. I call them identity nice. walls. We have, these, uh, we have these walls we run into. So I'll get people that'll come and say, I'm going to trust the process. Okay, great. Then we get to a certain point and they go, oh, I can't do that, Anthony. Why? I'm not the kind of person that does that. Oh, are you really? Okay, well, well, that person has everything you want. So this is going to be figured this out. And what we find is that's also tied to an ego part of like, I don't do that, or I don't need help there. Or, I'm good there. And it's like, no, no, you're, you're not good there. Like, it's actually something you got to work on. And if that's a big thing, when we first start, if people don't let the ego pull back, there's actually an exercise we do with other people in life. And it, part of it is specifically designed in a way to tell them when you do this exercise, you are not allowed to rebut, to respond, to refute, or to justify. You have to eat it. And when they tell you these things, just let it simmer. And it, it hurts. And I've had actually people go, well, they were attacking me. Well, were they? Well, what, what took place? Well, she said that we had to go and because uh, she wanted chocolate. We went to this restaurant, but she didn't say to get her chocolate. So when she said chocolate, I thought of chocolate. So I bought the chocolate and I ate it. And she got mad because I didn't give her any, but she didn't ask for any. I said, you realize that, that that's really awkward that she, you should have gave her the chocolate, right? No, she didn't ask. I said, you're, you're, hold on, you know? The ego started rising and it's like they don't want to see what's at fault. And that's the stuff like little nuance that we work into. So you wonder why your relationship's bogged down. We think that, that that kind of activity is trickling in somewhere else possibly. Maybe an argument or the bedroom, right? So when the ego 
doesn't want to take a break or take a seat, we can't get you to go anywhere. Dude, that's really good, man. You know what? We, we just interviewed, uh, another author, uh, called, uh, the, the book is called, if you want to pick this up, this one's really good. It's mm. called power for all. And she mentioned something that you just brought up here in regards to ego she says the the ability to to possess you know as much as we can power is really the ability to compromise. Oh yeah, and and I, I just thought of that when you just said you know ego gets in the way, and it's so true, right? Mm-hmm. And man, that's that's pretty powerful that you that you do see that. So in the process of you going from where you were, this this is like a five six year process of changing you as, as a human being and how you function, what would you go back and tell yourself, uh, younger self, Hey, maybe how, how do I get here quicker? Is, yeah. is there a way to get there quicker or you yeah. just have to go and write it? Well, the good thing is that that's what the shift method does. It makes it quicker. So I made that, um, but I didn't have that back then. So if I would have went back to be honest, I would have let the insight in earlier. Because you get people in life who are around you. I always look at individuals who go like, I cut that friend off because they didn't support me. And I go, well, they're probably supporting the you you are right now. And I agree, they should have supported this you. You know, uh, In the beginning of my book, I have this kind of prologue and it talks about you know these two people going back and forth. And it's just a discussion. And she says, I make her say something. And she says, if you're committed to being this person, I cannot commit to being in your life. And so the idea that I look at is like, if I would have gone back and talked to Anthony, I would have, I would have found a way to get him to, to decommit from being the person he was. Cause that's the fastest path, man. Cause when you're committed to being that person, you'll cut people off who don't align or don't support you. You won't look at the things mm-hmm. you gotta look at. It's just, it's, that's the problem. The process can start much faster and work itself through. If you finally just go, you know what, this person, this human I am, it's not the person that's going to be able to have the things I want in life. How do we put that in perspective, though? I mean, because a lot of us have these values that are that we kind of know are there, right? Mm-hmm. Based on our, our friends around us, our yeah. family. But how, how is it that we can really hone in and focus on them? Because I think they're loosely held in some cases. They are in most cases. Yeah, values and principles are interesting because principles are solid. Values change based on the predicament and situation, right? So what I value, say, I, I, the dollar value goes up and goes down based on certain things, right? But the principle of of money being a transactional thing, you know, doesn't change. So mm-hmm. I think the thing is for us is when we have these areas, it, it's really got to boil down to us taking ourselves away from us. And casting, I, there's a study, it's going to be a tangent, but it's going to come back, I promise. It's a study done by UCLA, it's called the Stranger Inside. What they found was, if they attach dials to your brain and ask you about yourself, love lights up in the brain. They ask you about someone you know closely, love lights up in the brain. They show you a picture mm-hmm. of someone you don't know, stranger lights up in the brain. If they ask you about your future self, stranger lights up in the brain. We don't see our future self, so therefore there's not much that we can cast out as a vision to think about. So people go, think of the highest level yourself, the highest version. And and honestly, scientifically, it's actually very hard for us to see that as a drive. So what I do is genuinely go, okay, great. What is the value of the person who's experiencing the life I want? We, We see people who are living with, like they got the nice families, they have the nice things, they're doing good stuff, they're making some money, right? They're, they look happy and people get envious because they don't have it, which you should get is curious. 
So if I sit here and go, I, I'm living this life and I'm, I'm not happy with it, as opposed to getting mad at the guy who drives by in a nice car, get curious. What is he doing to get that nice car? And maybe him and his wife, they get out and they're happy together. What is he doing that makes them happy and they have money? Because I thought all rich people were bad, you know? What are they doing? Mm-hmm. You know, how do they get the nice house? And he has his kids that are happy and healthy and going to good schools. What's going on, right? Be curious, not envious, or, or don't, don't demean them. Because most people, when they see that, they have to diminish the person so they don't have to diminish themselves. And it gets really tricky there. That's so true, man. Yeah. And I think that's that's where it just feels like that's where we're at more right now in the world we're in. And, and I think social media just pushes that in our face more. All day. You say, look all my good stuff I got. Look at all me. Look at me. Look at me. And and half the time, I'm, I try to be as honest as I can. I actually, when I have bad days, I just don't go on social. But if I'm on there, I'll be like, man, I'm having a bad day. This is this is long. This sucks. I'm tired. I've done podcasts just called I Am Tired. <laughs> like, oh you know, shit. Just because it's Dude. real. It's, it's, who, it's who I am. But I don't have... I don't have this thought of like, I'm worried about people judging me, but that's honestly, I think if you go back to people and what they could do earlier, it'd be really sitting back and taking a look at at who you are and what you have and cast a vision out of the person, not your future self, the person that has what you want and go, how am I aligned or misaligned? Interesting. And use it for inspiration. Dude, that, that goes back to Carol Dweck's mindset uh, versus, uh, what was the other one? That's that mindset. So, Question here, vision boards, are those, do you even use those? Because we're talking about what you're, what you're saying here. Yeah. And I would assume based on this, you know, throw out the vision board. Instead, put in somebody who who inspires you to do better yeah. and who has those qualities that you want. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you can do anything for vision. Some people are going to be tactile, see paper stuff. And I'm, I'm with that. It's not a problem. It's just a matter of what you're putting on the vision board. Mostly will put things of what they want, not what they want to become. So it's like, mm. I want the car in the house and that's great. But like, I'd much rather have a, a, a vision of a person who is, uh, you know, a good human being who is loving on taking their mom out to somewhere and, you know, having a meal with them. Like, cause that'll be the kind of guy that shows up at work in a joyous place. Clients like him, he makes more money. He buys the house, he gets the car, you know, it's, it's the, who do you want to become? Now what we do is a vision video. We actually do this thing where we, we have you create a video where you're talking from a vision standpoint um, about who you are and what you've accomplished and, and what, what you pride yourself on as a human. When you create that kind of a vision and you're talking to yourself in the future, it's different than a board because you can play that video and talk to yourself damn near from a future point of like, hey, I'm so glad that you and your wife created a great relationship and then in doing so, it helped you go back to work in a good space. When you were at work, you weren't short with your staff. You, you, you took care of clients. You did what was right because you knew it was right and because you did that, you actually increased your revenue by, you know, a hundred thousand dollars this year. And with that extra money, you invested some and then some you you spent on having some fun trips. You took a trip with your kids. Your kids had a great time. Like whatever it is, you create these visions of of your life and who you are different than a vision board. But now I'm living into this palpable, tasteable destination. Do you have a process to maintain that in front of you? Like a like a vision visualization process or anything? Yeah. We do. We actually we have what's called. It's a morning routine. Like we everybody has a morning routine. We do this thing called the daily shift. S H I F T, and okay, it's shift and it's purposeful. We actually have an app built around this to where you can do it every day. And when you work through our process, the first few weeks are like foundation to build that. The real like anchored stuff is developing a daily practice of doing this. Falling in love with the day. The S start right 
morning routine, what you just talked about. There's six components of that, a long and a short routine, because sometimes life goes fast. We got to get out the door pretty quick. H, healthy choice, mental healthy, physical healthy, you choose. I is your imperative activity. Most people don't think about what is that one single thing that I must do before I go to sleep. They push everything off to Friday or Thursday. I'm going to get it all done then. No, no, no. That's true. Deconstruct it. What's that one? Th- I don't care if it's a five-minute task. Don't go to bed till it's done, right? The next thing's finding joy. There's three ways to find joy, but you find joy. So every day you're finding a way to be happier and to experience life and be more grateful and have problems solved. And the last thing's called a tree task. Longer to go into, it's 10 areas of the experience of our life. And if you go in and you choose one of those 10 areas over 90 days, each one will get approached nine times. You will vastly transform the experience of your life. Dude, I just took fast notes on this one. All right. So okay. where, can, where can people find this so they can go take a look? Yeah, well, it's not, well, if you want that stuff, it's in our coaching program. So if you just go uh, to anywhere and follow the rabbit trail, like click a button. And if you get the book, actually, if you get the book and get the free uh, downloads, which if you get the book at mm-hmm. identityshiftbook.com and go back and on step three, use the code live. After you've bought the book for Amazon, you come back to the website um, you get an audio book, digital book, and then a, free, a $97 workbook for free. But that puts you into the process of having access to see what we do with our coaching programs. I like that. All right. Listen up. Do that. Do that. All right. Yeah. Question. And I only say question just to interrupt, right? And be like, okay, now I'm prepared for the question. <laughs> no worries. People always say, why do you say that? I'm like, just don't so worry the brains about it. Just do. go with it. It's kind of like when a girl yeah. says, where were you at? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm preparing you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Huh? What do you mean? Uh... What do you surround yourself with? Not who, but what? What is it that you surround yourself with to to keep you growing? Books, yeah. podcasts, webinars, YouTube channel. All of it, man. What is it? Tell me. Uh, things that my brain likes and things my yeah. brain doesn't. I, I, I never want to be stuck in a bubble where I'm not figuring out things I don't know I don't know. But I do surround myself with, with books, surround myself with courses. I go. I still go and hang out with great people. Um, great conversation. That's what I surround myself with. Great conversation. I, I think that we are in comparison to our counterparts from a hundred years ago. I think we are stupid and I'm not saying that we aren't intelligent in some capacity. We have technology, we have smarter stuff, but God forbid someone removes somebody's GPS from their car. They are lost. You know what I mean? Like, and then on top of that, back when there was no, there was no screens where we could just sit there and stare at stuff for hours. What do we do? Well, kids went outside People had deep conversation. They pondered the universe, you know? And so you, I mean, all the great things we sure. use now is because some guy sat under a tree somewhere or he wanted to figure out how light bulbs work and he caught electricity on a, on a damn string with a key, you know, like these are things that we, <laughs> so that we did. So our brains, I think were being fully used back then, but with less technology. So I believe if we were to get into a battle of wits with people from 200 years ago, they would destroy us. And so I surround myself with good conversation and great thoughts. And where do you typically gravitate to find that? Um, man, honestly, it's a lot of books because I figure like that's the best place that somebody spent time just taking all their brain and putting it out on paper on purpose. And then I get into mm-hmm. conversations all the time, like all the time. It's, it's, I seriously have on my schedule a lot of 15, 20, 30 minute conversations. So I just go to people that connect with great people. I love the statement of good people find good people. And, and I don't even call it networking. I, I think people are like, oh, we, I should network. I'm just a bit of guy that if I think someone's a cool person, I want those good people to find good people through me. So I connect the two. 
And then people do the same thing for me. And so like, I always find myself like, Hey, what do you do? And why do you do it like this? But many conversations and they spark great thoughts and I take notes and I get curious and it creates some new place for me to go venture down a rabbit hole. And the curiosity creates a new passion. And I create something new where I make a new video and someone sees a video and they start a new conversation. It's just this continuous ebb and flow of, of community and thoughts. And I, I think that's where I go find it. It's kind of, it's me at the same time. Dude. I like that a lot. Good people find good people. Yeah. All right. So when it comes to taking time to, to think through the day, to think through the week, to think where you're at, uh, and I think just to be more present, is that something that you do on a daily, weekly basis, like time to reflect? Yeah. Sundays, man. Uh, Sundays are a day when I sit back and chill. It's, it's a Sabbath day. You're not supposed to work, but I sit back and just, I hang with the family and I, I think I actually always do that though. I do it while I'm driving. I do it. My wife's like, what are you, what are you thinking about? Like, I don't even know. It's just things in my head. (laughs) I think that's the thing. If women think we're thinking of stuff and I'm like, I'm not, I'm just here. And so the idea is like, uh, I just let the brain wander off. And then at certain points in time, it just, it gravitates to something. And then I get to look at life differently because if I'm going to be the guy teaching, I'd better do it myself. That's kind of the idea. Mm, I like that. Uh, And how do you maintain your, your solid focus on doing what it is that you're doing right now? It's written. It's written. And I I have to close my day knowing I accomplished my day. So I write the day down just like business. Anybody that's been in business, you know, an actual business, not not you do it a service and it's all you. A business is something that runs without you. Systems. McDonald's has systems. Why it's built so big and anybody can run it, right? So if you go to a business, when you have a, a running, thorough, structured business, it'll tell you what to do each day. You'll get up. You'll go to the thing. It's Wednesday. This is what happens for the business. It's Tuesday. This is what happens for the business. Some people get up and go, what should I do today? And that's the problem. So when you figure out what should I do today, you'll do what you feel like doing or what you have energy to do or whatever it is. But for me, I run my life in a way where it's written down. So I get up and go, okay, this is what I do on Tuesdays. This is what I do on Wednesdays. Therefore, it gets done. Now, am I always going to have the exact same joy and energy every day to do it? No, but it gets done. And actually, even it getting done, actions lead to emotions. So I may not feel like doing it, but the action will lead me to an emotion. That's why I like when people go, how do I spark love? You don't wait for it. You go do a loving action and sure enough, it returns in that way. So it's a matter of doing the right actions, but having them planned. So you wake up to life. Your life tells you what to do. Not you guess what you got to do for your life today. How do you maintain then your relationships at, at a level where it's in it there. feels like there's a true connection? It's in there. It's time carved out, put aside. It, seriously, it's, some people go, oh, if you should just want to do that, really, should I? Should I want to go give my wife a back rub? Because, you know, like, it's not always the, the thing I feel like doing. But you just work it uh, in. It's good. I like but it's, seriously, it's got to be written down. If it's in there, it gets Dude, done. I, I, I can see your calendar now. It's like 5 o'clock, uh, foot massage. <laughs> it does. Sometimes things are in your life. I'm not even kidding. It's sometimes in it just like that. All right, dude. Uh, last question for you. In, in regards to to being that role model that that you want to be for, and this is just for your wife, mm-hmm. your spouse in this case, okay. and for your children, yeah. how do you keep on making yourself better so that they see you as, wow, you know what? 
I'm, I'm, I'm proud of my dad. Cause that's inside mm-hmm. of us, right? It is. Yeah. Well, since we were kids, how, how is it that you keep making sure that you're that person that shows up every day that people can be proud of around you? Yeah. Well, I, I live by example, right? So that's one thing I, I, I think there's vastly more that kids will learn from how you live your life as opposed to what you're saying. You can say a whole lot of things, man, but if you don't live that way, you actually do damage. If I tell my kids, Hey, don't do this. And I go do it myself. They're like, ah, oh, he's an idiot. You know, they're not listening. Uh, I'm dead serious. Like it just becomes this weird thing. Other half of it is if you get to the point where you're living your life in a manner that is, that is clearly shown to be putting them first. So like I'll cancel things, I'll stop trips, I'll do stuff. So they realize, damn, my dad did that, right? They, they, they get it. And that's the best way to do it, man. You have to you vote for what's important with your time and they'll see it. Put them first. Yeah, it's pretty simple. I mean, there's obviously things you got to put as, as priority, but when it's like, hey, I'm going to do this and I'm going to go help you here, go do that thing. Don't be like, oh, I'm going to go help after I get done with this. And then like you get done and you don't go do it. It's like, didn't, they don't feel that. Right. So go do it. Be, be of integrity. Yeah, man. Very good. Anthony, dude, you rock, bro. Thank, Thank you, you for being on everybody on pick up his book, go to his website. We'll give you all the details in the podcast, dude. This was, this was so good. It's a, Thank you. it's a different episode for us, but it dove deep into just self-mastery. And I, and I really appreciate that a lot. Very welcome, man. Uh, that's always the goal. Those are all the brilliant thoughts that we have for you today. If you like what you're hearing, drop us a review or just tell your friends. This has been a success podcast. Head to success.com slash podcast to hear more just like it. <laughs>